Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You were out of town when the last cop left Seattle. It had been unseasonably cool that week. The 70 degrees of old and not the 97 you had come to dread every summer. But you'd already promised you'd visit your family in Montana. And so when the riots started and the National Guard opened fire into the crowd, you watched it on Twitter from your couch like everyone else. The Second Battle of Seattle, they were calling it. You wondered briefly what the first one was. There'd been fighting in Portland, too. Some kind of massacre in Oakland. And no one was quite sure what was happening in the Napa Valley. Couldn't be anything good, you thought. But it was Seattle everyone was talking about. The mayor fled the city in a helicopter when it became clear the police were losing. After that, the cops had simply broken and retreated across the Cascades. No one knew who was running the city now, and you sure as hell didn't want to be the one to find out. But after two weeks, you'd burned through every vacation day and every favor you'd ever accumulated at the hospital. And besides, the rent was due. No one was sure if the postal service was even still functioning. And with the eviction moratorium lifted, you weren't going to risk getting evicted because you weren't there to hand your landlord a check. So, with wary resignation, you pile into your battered car and head towards Snoqualmie Pass. What surprised you most when you hit Seattle was the art. 
you'd been expecting burnt-out buildings and streets filled with burning cars. And there were some. A few streets were still blocked by what looked like improvised barricades. But every surface of every building, it seemed, had some kind of mural on it. Someone, and no one seemed to be quite sure who, had first come up with the idea, had blocked off an entire street up near Capitol Hill, and people were painstakingly painting portraits of every protester killed in the fighting in Seattle on it. As he walked past, they were discussing doing the same for the dead in Oakland. The second surprise came when you tried to pay your rent. A woman you'd never seen before was sitting at the office's reception desk. When you tried to hand her your check, she laughed and handed it back to you, explaining that after the cops fled, the local tenants union had taken over most of the apartments in the city and placed them in something it called a community land trust. You didn't quite get the details, but no one was going to evict you, so you decided to just take the win. Besides, your friend had convinced you to do some childcare for the tenants union in college, and they always seemed like a decent sort, so there didn't seem to be any immediate cause for concern. The hospital was another matter entirely. From what you could gather, there had been some kind of labor dispute between the chaos. Management seemed to have fired a group of nurses for giving injured protesters shelter from the police. Your ward had already been understaffed due to COVID and budget cuts. Now, the situation was intolerable. Worse still, many of the senior administrators had fled the city with the police. No one seemed to know who was in charge. Supplies were starting to run low. And with so many administrators missing and the insurance situation completely up in the air, on account of nobody being entirely sure if Seattle was even still part of the United States, it wasn't clear if anyone was going to get paid. So when a co-worker pulled you aside and asked if you'd be interested in doing something about the management problem, you figured, what the hell, maybe it was time for a change. It wasn't like it could possibly make anything worse. The fired nurses, it turned out, had started to set up a community health center with the help of the local neighborhood council. But some of the nurses still working at the hospital had another idea. Why not just turn the hospital into the community health center? After all, the hospital already had more equipment than any new center could possibly assemble. All they needed was some help from the community, and the whole thing could be run by a council of the hospital workers. Insurance companies be damned. Besides, if all the hospitals started pulling their resources together, they might be able to solve some of the shortages. At the mention of solving the supply shortages, even the more skeptical workers started to come around. By the next morning, the Seattle Hospital Workers' Council was marching on the hospital. The remaining management found out somehow, and tried one final lockout to hold on to their property. But as you saw yet another column of protesters joining the crowd surrounding the hospital, you knew... This wasn't their city any longer. On April 18, 2001, military police in the Kabylia region of Algeria shot an 18-year-old high school student. Almost immediately, hundreds of thousands of people took to the street, chanting, You can't kill us, we are already dead, at the lines of policemen assembled to attack them. The police would kill over 100 people and severely wound 5,000 more in the months-long battle for control of the streets that followed. But protesters burned police stations, government offices, courts, and the offices of Islamic fundamentalist parties until the government agreed to give ethnic minority groups language and cultural rights. The hated military police were driven from the region entirely, and so few regular police stations survived the uprising that the regular police likewise ceased to function across broad swaths of Kabylia. They were replaced on a local village level by self-organized security committees, 
which would assemble on the rare occasion trouble emerged. Contrary to the expectations of the state, crime plummeted. But the Algerian government otherwise continued to function as usual for over a decade, until the local government in a small region called Barbacha attempted to rig their local elections. After banning the most popular political party in the region, they installed an unpopular coalition government. The people of Barbacha responded by storming the city hall, seizing control of it, and setting up a democratic general assembly inside the newly dubbed House of the People to replace the existing government. This was dual power in its original sense, a council of the people facing off against an increasingly illegitimate parliamentary representative in a struggle for control over the fate of a new society. If you Google dual power, you are likely to encounter a pamphlet written by Vladimir Lenin entitled The Dual Power, describing the conundrum of the situation following the first Russian revolution in February of 1917. After the overthrow of the Tsar, political power was split between two competing bodies. On the one side, a new provisional government of liberal and social democratic politicians, holdovers from the old Duma from the previous regime. On the other side, revolutionary social forces rallying around assemblies of popular power called Soviets, which were councils of delegates sent by directly democratic factories, soldiers, and sailors' committees. Lenin saw this as a situation to be overcome by the seizure of state power by a socialist party. For Lenin and his Bolsheviks, dual power was a problem because after the Tsarist state ceased to exist in the middle of a world war, the new provisional government failed to fill the vacuum left in its wake by its collapse. To Lenin, the solution was obvious. Fill that vacuum with Lenin. For the peasants, soldiers, and workers who made up the majority of Russia's population, however, dual power was their first fleeting taste of freedom and autonomous control over their lives. Lenin used the Soviets to seize power, but almost immediately began to turn on these democratic assemblies of popular autonomy. Over the course of the Russian Civil War, Lenin and the Bolsheviks stripped power away from the workers, peasants, and soldiers, sometimes by bureaucratic fiat, often at the point of a bayonet, until the Soviet had been stripped of all meaning in the very state named after their democratic form and became synonymous with dictatorship. Dual power today draws from the potential of that post-revolutionary crisis from the bottom-up direct democracy that was so threatening to the social order that Bolshevik revolutionaries and czarist police spies alike conspired to wipe them from the historical record. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. 
That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Just as Russia was haunted by the memory of the French colonies, so is America today haunted by a memory of dual power that against all odds refuses to die. We are, after all, still ruled by a greedy, bloodthirsty, and out-of-touch elite who have chosen to march us to our deaths by the hundreds of thousands by forcing us back to work during a plague. But the Russian Revolution is as far away from us today as Napoleon and his brass cannons were from the Russian revolutionaries and their machine guns. Times have changed. There is no Bolshevik party waiting in the wings to seize power as the state crumbles. The vacuum that the state leaves in its wake as its power deteriorates will be filled by any number of organizations, most even more hostile to the working class than the Bolsheviks had been. It could be warlords with the personal allegiance of the remains of the military. It could be organized crime. It could be religious fundamentalist militias. Most likely, it will be an uneasy combination of all of the above. Or, it could be you could be your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, the person you wave to every morning at the bus stop when you're on your way to work. The path to that world, a world run not by capitalists and their cops, or by warlords and their armies, but by autonomous communities free to decide for themselves what to produce and how to best use their resources to care for each other, is dual power in the 21st century. At its core, dual power is about creating a counterpower against the state. During the Russian Revolution, this counterpower was formed essentially by historical accidents, as two governing bodies emerged from the course of the February Revolution. But modern dual power does not arise from the whims of the course of revolution, or from an innate instinct of the working class. 
It is something we build together by creating organizations that resist the power of the structures of violence, capitalism, racism, homophobia, and the state, name a few, that control this world. Dual power organizations can take many forms, from tenants' unions to debtors' councils, childcare cooperatives to land occupations, workers' councils to rank-and-file labor unions, mutual aid networks to community self-defense organizations. These organizations seek to build autonomy from and against capitalism and the state. Alone, they are no match for the state's raw power to inflict violence and corporate control over our resources. But by joining together to form federations and pooling their resources and expertise to coordinate their efforts, they can become a powerful enough force to challenge the state both directly and indirectly. These dual power organizations are designed to be the state's successor. As the industrial workers of the world famously put it, they form the structure of the new society in the shell of the old. In order to fulfill that task, they take the shape of the new society they seek to create. Academics call this prefigurative politics, organizing that employs the values and organizational structures that they seek to create in the world. As we will discuss in the next episode, there are right-wing forms of both dual power and prefigurative politics. But for most of the people who employ it, prefigurative politics means creating direct democratic institutions without bosses, managers, bureaucrats, or a party apparatus. The means of creating the new world are thus the same as the ends. Dual power organizations serve multiple purposes. Their long-term goal is to replace the state and the corporation with free and autonomous forms of organization ones organized and powerful enough to protect themselves and manage the logistical challenges of a new world where previous forms of organization and power no longer exist. But even reaching a point where this is remotely plausible requires not just the painstaking construction of counterpower and organization out of a fragmented American population. It requires a profound cultural transformation in how we make decisions. As the anthropologist David Graeber put it, it is assumed in many parts of the world that democracy is a group of people facing a certain problem, who come together to solve it in a way where everyone has an equal say. It's true that most Americans think of themselves as living in a democratic country, but when was the last time that any Americans actually sat down and came to a collective decision? Maybe if they were ordering pizza, but basically never. Dual power organizations thus also serve as schools for democracy where people can learn, experiment with, create, and spread their own forms of democracy and collective decision-making. When these spaces of democratic experimentation are functioning properly, their very organizational structure serves as a kind of recruitment tool. This was the original theory behind Occupy Wall Street, that democracy and the experience of autonomy were contagious and would spread rapidly as more and more curious people experienced it for themselves. That experience, in turn, would create a new generation of people trained in democratic practices who could go forth and transform the world. Obviously, this didn't quite happen. Occupy's model of democracy was limited in many ways, not the least of which was that it required a public, physical meeting space that could be closed down by police violence. But the initial premise worked. Occupy itself, of course, had been inspired by the mass democratic assemblies in Spain and Greece in 2011, and the direct democratic co-ops and factory occupations that engulfed Argentina for the better part of the 2000s.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. At the most basic short-term level, however, dual power organizations are designed to meet people's needs. The cornerstone of this effort is mutual aid. Probably the most famous example of such a project was the Black Panther Party survival programs. Former Black Panther Jonina Irvin describes them in detail. The Black Panther Party survival programs were, in fact, an example of an effort, a successful effort while it lasted, to create dual power in the United States. The Black Panther Party had a school. It had free food programs. One of its most respected survival programs was a breakfast for children, which was overall a response to hunger and poverty in the country, particularly among poor, low-income black people. We had free medical clinics in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We had free ambulances, free pest control, free shoes. We had free busing to prison programs, legal aid programs to help people get attorneys who needed them. And we had a program that was called the SAFE program, Seniors Against a Fearful Environment, in which we provided free transportation and escort service to senior citizens who needed to get out and take care of their errands, their business. They were often being attacked, so this was a form of protection for them. The Panthers were able to grow their influence by keeping their communities safe, healthy, cared for, and increasingly autonomous from the state. But most importantly, they were able to keep people alive. 
As Black Panther's co-founder Huey P. Newton famously said, These survival programs satisfy the deep needs of the community, but they are not solutions to our problem. That is why we call them survival programs, meaning survival pending revolution. The existence of the survival programs themselves reflect the necessity of keeping people alive, especially people who the state would rather kill or leave to die, for building any kind of power. But these programs are also necessarily insufficient. No mutual aid program, no autonomous project, no liberated territory can provide for the entire community while the corporations, capitalists, and states maintain their stranglehold over the resources and production capacity that the working class collectively created over centuries of grueling labor and struggle. Dual power, more than just survival, is about building the counterpower to take it back. Building power is what draws the line between what is and isn't dual power. Growing food for you and your friends may cut down on bills and make some killer pesto, but it's not necessarily challenging the capitalist system. Autonomy for its own sake is not necessarily dual power. If it doesn't actively aid in struggle, or better organize the community, then from the perspective of building counterpower, that autonomy is meaningless. Making food for striking workers to allow them to stay on strike longer is building dual power, where simply producing it for general consumption is not. While dual power organizations necessarily serve the needs of the community, they must also be able to pivot and attack the state and capital and provide solidarity and mutual aid to those in their community who are already in struggle. Or, they simply aren't dual power organizations at all. The simplest solution to this problem, of course, is to organize around a specific side of resistance. Organizations that build up the capacity to fight can emerge from almost anywhere. The Symbiosis Research Collective described how dual power organizations emerged from Palestinian prison organizing during the First Intifada, an uprising against the Israeli government in the late 1980s. Most discussion of the First Intifada focuses on the role of mass protest in making Palestinian society ungovernable for the Israeli occupying forces. Less discussed is the role of community organizations of mutual aid and confederated participatory democracy in making such mass protests possible. Organizing from within the political system was a political incubator of the Palestinian resistance movement and offers a microcosmic example of the development of dual power in the much larger prison of the occupation. With hunger strikes, political prisoners eventually won concessions for their own self-administration within the prisons. They assembled structures of political organization and representation, forced prison authorities to recognize their representatives, and developed a division of labor around hygiene, education, and other daily tasks. Palestinian prisoners described this arrangement as internal organization, similar to the concept of dual power. Even in the least free of circumstances, these prisoners carved out space for self-governments and created the preconditions for revolutionary struggle. Prisoners taught and studied everything from Palestinian history to Marxist political economy, often from 8 to 14 hours per day. As freshly educated and trained political activists were released back into society, the resistance movement was galvanized. Illiterate teenage boys arrested for throwing stones re-entered the fray months later as committed, competent organizers who had studied movement building, strategic resistance, and dialectical materialism. Meanwhile, the organizing context outside of the prison transformed dramatically. Saleh Abu Laban, a Palestinian political prisoner from 1970 until 1985, stated, When I entered the prison, there wasn't a national movement. There were only underground cells that performed clandestinely. 
When I got out, I found a world full of organizers, committees, and community institutions. Central to this new world of community organizing was the Palestinian labor movement. Unions were formed out of workers' places of residence rather than workplaces because migrant labor was prevalent and Palestinian unionism within Israel had been criminalized. Unions then formed strong alliances with local organizations in the national movement. With rapid growth in the early 1980s, labor unions found it necessary to decentralize and democratize their structures to become more resilient as Israeli repression intensified against union leaders and organizers. These local unions were networked together through the Palestinian Communist Party and the Workers' Unity Bloc, creating a web of labor organizers and community groups that linked their class struggle to the larger project of national liberation. This wave of resistance, carried out largely outside the purview of the major Palestinian political parties, showed that even communities in the most dire circumstances can assemble astounding levels of organization and resistance. As was also true in the United States, although today the memory of these prison radicals is largely forgotten, Palestinian organizing emerged from the sites of deepest depression in their society. But this kind and level of organization is not just the property of the left. And in part two, we'll see what happens when the right gets a hold of it. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.